Hey there, we're the Westlaw Pirates and welcome to the show. We're here to share our thoughts on Northwestern athletics and college sports with thoughts and analysis from the visceral to the statistical. We run our tailgate with the red pirate flag flying high above as we give no quarter, especially the fourth. I'm Sam Walter. I'm John Lacombe. And I'm Eric Skuz-Gausbo. Oh, well, guys, um, I don't know about you, but I've been really tired lately. Uh, <laughs> but I, I don't know if I'm quite as tired as uh, the men's basketball team looks right now. I mean, with the contracted COVID schedule in, in full effect, I mean, they, like just watching the, the back half of the, this game tonight against Michigan, they just look gassed. Yeah, we we talked about this last week, like that, like the front end of this stretch, where they managed to beat Wisconsin, um, they managed to beat. Um, I'm forgetting the other team now. I'm blanking. Uh, Nebraska? Nebraska, Nebraska. Thank you. Yeah, and just like, and we knew we knew that Minnesota was coming up. That was going to be a tight turnaround. They were going to Iowa. That was going to be a tight turnaround. And it just like on the front end, I felt like they had the legs. But you know, with this coming, when this with this coming down the home stretch, like. A turnaround from Tuesday night at Iowa to a Thursday night hosting Michigan. That's tight. And that, I mean, that Iowa team, like, stretches you so hard physically the way they want to uh, run up and down. And I just, like, man, the last three halves of basketball have been pretty rough for Northwestern. Yeah, and... I think we were... So, we've been talking about this because, I mean, the tired legs thing, I mean, obviously, like... There's a degree to which, like, it's literally just science. Like, it's going to happen. And even whether you think it's happening or not, I mean, it's just a ton of basketball. There's the other piece of it, too, that is, I think, so, I mean, after this game, John, I mean, we John, John, what would what would you do uh, if, well, you, if you knew that your team, who primarily relies on two guys to do a lot of the work, was going to play a virtual NBA schedule of what is it like eight games in 13 days or 16 <laughs> in 13 days, whatever well, it is. What, what would and, your approach be, John? Well, and chase who is the apex two way player in the country. I mean, he's, he's burning the candle at both ends to say the least. Right. And, but I mean, I'll, I'll say this. So we talked about it. And again, you're looking and in a game like this, right? You have two guys who are shouldering the load to a spectacular amount. Yes. We know chase takes a ton of bad shots that, turnaround fade he just wants to ski the double black diamond on that shot all the time and you know when there might be and I think in the case of Iowa there were a lot of easier buckets to find etc but um, Ryan Lindley who friend of the pod you know we were talking about it on Twitter after the game and and he kind of said because basically our kind of what what Scuzz is alluding to here is basically being like look if you got two guys who log this many minutes and then you're compounding that with this compressed of a schedule and one of those guys is absolutely playing a plus level effort at both ends of the court at all times right someone's got to step in and shoulder some of the load right and I think we were kind of saying as much after after this Michigan game tonight, and Ryan Lindley was saying, you know, look, like, what do you expect them to do? Like, they're 15 and 6 running these sets right now, and he's right. They've, they've done a lot of this, but I think baked into that, right, is there – there's a little bit of burden of expectations here because, like, whether people are willing to say it or whether people are not willing to say it, this team – has started to be viewed in in a tournament light. And this team does not have an NCAA tournament level offense. They don't, and they never have. And 
they're attempting to game genie this entire season <laughs> through defense. <laughs> like, it's unbelievable to watch. It's like this unbelievable experiment where it's like, can a team be this flipping good on defense and be so good that they can drag themselves by the bootstraps into the tournament? But I think circling back, I mean, that's that would you know, and he's saying, like, look, like you're this is what's you dance with what brung it. And I think that's true. And I think maybe even I've been a little bit guilty lately of being like, you start trying to hold an offense that hasn't been to that standard up to that standard. And we've been saying all season that look like this offense rides or dies with two guys. And if they're not hitting shots, you know, they, you know, if they're not hitting shots, we're just sunk. Um, But I think now you get to the point where there's this lofty goal in front of everybody, including the fans and everyone's watching. You have the students packing into the crowd and everyone's screaming like, some, who else is going to step up? Who's the third banana here, right? And again, like over, like you can look at this whole five-game stretch and yeah, like tired legs have compounded as you've gone on. But over this entire two-game stretch, only two Northwestern players other than Adij and Bowie have scored in double figures and no one's done it twice. And this team just, they don't have it. And tonight, you have a situation where it's like you're, you know, Northwestern Nation is screaming, you know, whether it's Barry, whether it's Roper, whether it's Barnheiser, like someone's got to start commanding the offense and dumping in buckets here because Chase just doesn't have it. And, you know, and, and so on one hand, there's the frustration of not seeing that, but I think there's also maybe a little bit of a reality check for all of us being like, this offense has never been something different than what it has been recently. The team is doing it at the defensive end and they're trying to make it work that way. Yeah, and I, I mean, for my, for, for my eye, like where I'm seeing the, the, the tired legs is on the defensive end too. Um, I mean, since halftime, like the first time against Iowa, this team played, the, played like their hair was on fire. And you saw Boo Booey get his third foul early in the second half. And he had to take a seat. A lot of the offensive end it just landed on Chase's shoulders as a, as a result. Very much exactly what you're just talking about, John. And you started to see the team struggle with closeouts, struggled, you know, to, to contain that extra pass. They barely got any turnovers. I think four turnovers in the second half against Iowa, eight in the first. Uh, only seven all night tonight against against Michigan. Um, that you know, the, the the nature and the tenor of this off of this defense all year has been causing chaos and intimidating other teams and getting them out of their rhythm and forcing turnovers. And yes, a lot of that has been Chase Audige, but um, the rest of the, the rest of the defense has been uh, involved in that. And, you know, when I say these guys look like they're gassed and their tank is empty, it's that side of the ball that I'm looking at primarily. Cause I like, I don't know. I've, ne- I've, I've, I've never expected the offense to come and save us, you know, much <laughs> right. to your comment around like, like the, the offense is just not great. Um, you know, may, like not to beat a dead horse, but m- maybe if you had a Ryan Young or like, you, you're just not going to run this offense through a Matt Nicholson or through a Robbie Barron for a long period of time. You just, you don't have another horse to, um, to focus on for a protracted period. And I, you know, you can make some, some, criticism around creativity or preparation of the of the coaching staff etc but i i do think that the the idea of gosh we got these two guys and they're playing great let's let's roll with them i i think a little bit of foresight going into this stretch you know could have been could have been beneficial but then at the same time like 
You don't know Bowie's going to get that third foul against against Iowa. He's continued to play great. I, he's been um, like 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 he had an incredible game against Iowa, second half included, and there was just nobody else that could hang with him and continue to support him. And then that that story kind of carried into tonight. And you know, I, this is I'm jumping backward in time here, but I remember watching the Rutgers game about a month ago, right, or yeah. three weeks ago, whatever it was. And I remember early in that game thinking, gosh, I know Chase Audige is a dynamo on defense, and it looks like he's not part of the main defensive play right now. And maybe that's because Rutgers is being smart about pulling him away, but as the game approached kind of like crunch time, you saw that shift, and I it, it felt like a conscious choice from the coaches to almost protect Audige Audija's energy in a way knowing like we are going to need this guy late to close this game down and to shut the other team down in, in crunch time and that luxury has not been plausible these last two games and whether that's because of the prodigious offensive talent across Iowa's team or just like the nature of this compressed schedule but um, it, it, it does feel like the team's just painted into a corner and the only thing that's going to get them out of it is a hot shooting night. Right. And that's the thing is like, you know, hot shooting night is, is relative because as we've said most of the year, that hot shooting night's going to come from two guys. And as we've said, look, if Adige and Bowie are both hot on the same night, then all bets are off in this team. That just remains true. If Chase Adige had been white hot tonight, this game is neck and neck. It changes the complex, the complexity of absolutely everything, but that's a rare occurrence. And, I know that, especially looking on Twitter, like over the season, and part of this is because he's he's an elder statesman here, but I think a lot of fingers get pointed at Barron. And I think as you kind of alluded to, look like Barron's a, a complimentary player. Um, he's victimized, I think, by the fact that he's a little bit of an elder statesman on this team and, and victimized by his lofty recruiting rating coming out of high school. But he's a, he's been a complimentary player, right? And I think one of the unsung things about Barron this season is how much he's adapted to that defense. You know, this Chris Lowry defense that we've talked about. He plays great defense, especially in the low block, especially helping Nicholson. Um, he does a lot of those things. But he's a complimentary player, right? He's not he, a drive he, player. He reminds you of Sanjay Lumpkin in some ways, right? Yeah, and I mean, and, and I think he's got that, outside three but I mean he's not creating his own shot right like he on the offense he's he's a supporting player but I think looking beyond that I think the the issue that I have is okay next year who's the alpha here there's got (laughs) to be one who's the offense running through here I mean you can look at the recruiting class and say incoming with a pretty high degree of confidence that like it's Barry Roper and Barnheiser. Like, if, you know, from the perimeter oriented, like, that's where your buckets are coming from. Those guys are going to be driving it. So, who's driving it right now? Like, if there's an alpha on that team next year in the back half of a stretch like this, you're looking for a guy like that to step up because you're saying, look, you're, you know, the bell cows of this team, that, you know, like, if particularly Chase, he's dragging. And, though, you know, you got to be able to say, like, because I think. Again, going back to Twitter, one of the things that Ryan Lindley was saying on Twitter is like, look, Collins, you know, he rides these two guys. And of course he does. Like, you can't tell him to take less shots. And I'd be like, sure, okay. But it's like, who are we telling to take more shots? You know, who are yelling at and being like, look, next year it's your team. So if you're seeing that the, you know, the guys who are carrying us nine games out of 10 here are, are not able to get it done, 
you got to be like, all right, you know, come hell or high water, I'm jacking up some shots and I'm going to see if I can get myself to 15 points or whatever, you know. Um, and But again, I circle back again to, I, I don't know if we've got that. I don't know if it's the character of that team. This is a team without attorney-grade offense that is in the tourney conversation because of this unbelievable defense. And I suppose, you know, there's a, a, a little mini stretch like this at the back end of this, you know, is enough to, to make me step back and be like, all right, I need to properly calibrate my expectations for this team. I mean, that being said, I mean, there, there's, you know, if, if the defense can can keep it up, I mean, th- there are winnable games down the stretch. And yes, the, the back half of the, of the schedule is absolutely loaded. And, you know, we were talking about this, you know, before uh, the pod, just kind of looking at, you know, the way that the schedule unfolds. And, you know, it, it's it's tough right now because all these games are so compressed but, you know, as we get back on schedule, you know, it does, I mean, it's not going to be three games a week for two weeks in a row. Um, you know, we are going to get a little bit more more spacing. And, you know, we beat Wisconsin all, all once. You know, Ohio State's not doing great. Okay, Purdue is Purdue. Um, you know, Indiana we've got coming up. Uh, a, a rematch against Iowa at Illinois, at Maryland, uh, Penn State, and then at Rutgers. So, you know, a, a Rutgers team that, we, we we were with the entire way. Sure, it's in Piscataway and it's at the end of the season. So, you know, there there's still some time left. But, uh, I mean, there are a few wins still on the schedule that you can just look at and say, okay, yes, that's a win. And then there's other games where it's like, okay, you can absolutely see a win here. I mean, these these are definitely possible. You know, we we beat Indiana in Bloomington. Now we get, we get them in, in at Welsh Ryan. So, you know... We get Iowa at Welsh Ryan. You know, we, we've seen them once and, you know, we were in the middle of a, a super tight stretch. Now we'll have a little bit more of a chance to to kick back and breathe. And, you know, hopefully, you know, when you're tired, the first thing to go are your legs. And that's how that's why, you know, the shooting percentage tonight was so atrocious. Defense, like defense isn't going to go anywhere. Like even if you're gassed, the defense will still be there. Oh, I disagree. No, I disagree. Okay, I think, I think the defense has suffered the last three halves. I um, the first half tonight, I thought it was great. I, so I S- seven seven total turnovers from Michigan in this entire game. That's that is not that that is not how Northwestern has won basketball games earlier this year. Yeah, they I kinda, need more turnovers. Okay, I kind of split the difference between the two of you guys because I I believe the defense does suffer. I I think the primary issue is the offense, and I think you know if you're if you're laying bricks, you don't have a chance to go back and set up your defense necessarily. Um, that 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 kind of hurts. But I mean, it it you know it certainly doesn't help. I mean, we were talking about it before the pot, and like Sam's saying, I mean, you can you can find them, you can find a path. It's a difficult path. It's this is a backloaded yeah. schedule with a lot that, of good teams on it. Um, that's the part that's hard for me, and I and and I've been loath to look at to look ahead at the schedule all season. So like I know I was I was urging caution earlier in the year, and that's just from being burned too many times. Um, I think like when I when I look at these nine games, five of them are on the road. Um, you've got two ranked opponents in Purdue and Indiana. You've got two, well, what one very soon to be ranked team in Iowa, I believe. Um, and then you know Illinois has been really good. Rutgers has been really good. Like to go four and five, 
again in these nine games would be a freaking miracle in my opinion and that's not and i that is not to say that the team is horrible or that i expect them to look like they looked tonight against michigan for these next nine games i just think five games on the road your of your four home games three of them are your toughest games of the of the whole stretch in purdue indiana and iowa and i i just think it's like like more getting more than four wins out of this is going to be a a real challenge um even getting four wins is going to be very hard and that like you can rapidly see that ceiling of 20 wins which has been few and far between for Northwestern, you can, you can rapid, rapidly see that being very difficult for them to hit this season. Sure. And I think, you know, when I was been mapping out this path like the entire year, so much of, you know, my goals and my benchmarks have been based on an expectation we'd go 4-10 and 10 down the stretch just because I'm looking at how, how rough the schedule is. So now, you know, that becomes 4-9, and nine, or as Scuzz was saying, 4-5. and five. And, yeah, that's difficult. I also think... Going four and five down the stretch here, like maybe that's not a tournament berth, but that still would be something to celebrate. That'd be 19 and 12, 10 and 10. That team's playing in the postseason. Maybe it's not the tournament, um, but they'd be in the tournament discussion having slogged out 10 wins in the Big Ten. And I, I think I think at, nine, at 19 and 12, you know, you make a little bit of noise in at the, the Big tournament. Ten tournament. And mm-hmm. now all of a sudden, like 19 and 12 is, is a bubble, I think for right. sure. And you win a game or two in the in the Big Ten tournament, and and it's and it's not static too. I mean, and less you know, in the interest of kind of a half plug, although not really a plug anymore. I mean, you know, we have our big gathering with the Chicago Alumni Club and Lake the Posts against Purdue. Um, it's not static in terms of wins and losses. If one of those wins is Purdue, all bets go out the window. It's like you knock off the number one team in the country, and that's one of your four wins. Then you're you know. That team, like Sam says, probably just has to win an opening round game in the tournament, and they're getting in with twenty total wins. So there's certainly as as, pre- as preposterous as that seems, it would be like right on par for oh, this yeah, big ten. Oh yeah, for sure, right, sure. exactly, <laughs> sure. And, and I mean, and you know, there are like we still at this point don't have any bad losses, right? Yeah, yeah. This Michigan loss is probably one of the worst, right? Given their record. Yeah, and and again with Michigan, it's like there's so many teams. Like for all we know, Michigan's gonna pull their heads out of their butts and go on some crazy yeah. run here. Like I mean, they're yeah. they've kind they had of had a tough non a, they had a tough non con. Right. They're a little bit of a sleeping giant, and right, like they're talking about that. Like we were like Michigan's first Q one win, I think, in conference or something like that, and like so, but they obviously have a lot of potential and everything. But again, you can even now look and. All but three teams in the conference are basically at or uh, around or in the vicinity of 500 in conference. I mean, it just is an absolute knockdown drag out this year. Um, and we're still a part of that. Well, I was going to say, we've been, we've, been, we've been evaluating these games kind of in pairs as we go, right? And so the next two are going to be, just, just as these last two are really instructive. I mean, I think we talked about Iowa being a fascinating matchup for, this, for our defense to see what would happen. Um, they played that. They played really freaking tough against Iowa. I think, I, like, we probably haven't given enough kudos to the way Northwestern showed up in that game. Um, they just they ran into an absolute buzzsaw on an absolutely epic night. Um, I'm not sure. Like, what what did Iowa shoot that game? Um, that, I mean, in the second uh, half, 50, 55 percent and 47 yeah. percent from three. 
47% from three. You, you're not winning a game in college basketball today when your opponent hits 47% from three, especially a team like Iowa that shoots a three ball every second or third possession. That's just, that's just ludicrous. Now that does speak to, you know, by the end of that second half or mid of that second half, Iowa was getting pretty much any open three look they wanted um, when they wanted it and they were knocking them down. But point being like they played good in that first half. Right. And, um, I think, you know, t- tonight was rough, but these next two games, so Wisconsin team that we've already beaten, to your point, Sammy, Cole Center has been really tough. And then I, 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 I said Michigan is maybe one of our worst losses. Like, based on Ohio State's performance since they beat, since they really, really took it to Northwestern um, at the start of conference play, uh, they're at 500 overall, they've, three and eight in conference. They've gone yeah. into a tank. Yeah, they've a been mess. a disaster. Their coach was ejected real... tonight. Like they're they're a, a mess right now. And so that I mean that that's a fascinating game in seven days time, right? Um, I, like and and it's not like they've been. So I mean they you know. They lost to Wisconsin, they lost to Indiana, they lost to Illinois, they lost to Nebraska, they lost to Rutgers, they lost to Minnesota, Ooh, they lost to Maryland. Boy. Yes, they lost to Purdue. Like they I mean, they so right after beating beating us, they lost a two point just kind of devastating game against Purdue. And they have they've been an absolute dumpster fire ever since now. Granted, they beat Iowa. They put ninety three up on Iowa in there, kind of inexplicably. So I mean, like again, like this the season has just been totally goofy. Um, for the Big Ten, but um, I, you know, seeing how Northwestern shows up in that game, they've got you know, got to go take care of business against Wisconsin, and then they've got two days to rest up and prepare for for an Ohio State team to try to redeem themselves. So these, I mean, these two games will be really really interesting. If they drop both of them, I think we're looking at you know, kind of a crash towards. I, th- I think then then the high the, the upside for the season is. Can you get an overall winning record? Right. If they're able to, if they're able to split these games, like maybe there's something more at play. And if they win both of them, it's going to feel like, oh, cool, back on track, going into the absolute teeth of a three-game homestand against Purdue, Indiana, and Iowa. Right. That that three-game homestand is going to be pretty interesting. I mean, again, partly we're personally, I mean, we're personally invested anyway, but we're going to be there for the start of that homestand. Of course, that's a huge game, huge opportunity, and then Indiana is also ranked too. So, I mean, you're you're have a chance to sweep a team that's currently ranked. I mean, it's a huge deal. But Northwestern, th- that home environment has been really good, and it's it's so funny because I think you look at the start of the game tonight. You look at that crowd. I mean, thirty minutes out the game, the crowd was just fantastic. I mean, the students were already there. It was a mob scene, and. That crowd just never really got the oxygen to get going tonight. I mean, there just was never really anything for them to grab onto. But Northwestern's been a good home team this year, and that crowd, I think, is going to be here going you know, going down the stretch, and that Purdue game is going to be um, a fantastic environment. And again, it's like if they can catch some home fire there, pull out a couple quality wins, you know, that could, that could really help. But yeah, it's kind of like trying to map out a path, not exactly sure where it's going to be, but... Again, I mean, I, God, I wish so much that we could just say, like, look, who's the third banana? Who is going to grab that bull by the horns? Who is going to say, all right, then it's my night to go off tonight, right? Because it's going to be my night for most of the nights next year. So 
it's my time is now. If I see that Chase, you know, if his jumper is not falling and this team needs someone else, then it's going to be me. But at the same time, again, I'm like, it. we probably aren't going to see that. And this team is going to get it done if they get it done the same way they've done it so far with that stifling, fantastic defense from Adijan down um, that forces a bunch of cold nights. And then a team like Wisconsin that's been offensively challenged, Illinois that's been offensively challenged at times, right? Um, and that you're going to see, you know, our Rutgers, you know, to end the season, they've been offensively challenged, that we're going to be able to clamp down those teams and, and win our way. Um, so here's hoping we can make that happen. Yeah, so, you know, as we said, uh, Wisconsin coming up on Saturday at Ohio State next Wednesday, and then uh, home for Purdue on Super Bowl Sunday, um, which, as John mentioned, we're going to be there. Uh, so we're definitely looking forward to, to seeing as many of you as we can. It's going to be a sold-out arena, which is going to be cool. And hopefully it'll be majority purple. Although, I, you know, Purdue is going to show out. Like, they'll, they'll be there. Um, I, I don't know if the Purdue Boys and Girls Club is, is sending a whole bunch of people over there <laughs> uh, or not. Shot, shots, shots fired. <laughs> yeah, I, just, I, I, I've been workshopping how to, how to get a shot in at, at, that, whole, <laughs> at that whole story, like, all day. Um, the, the Illinois, Iowa nonsense, but, uh, in any case, um, yeah, uh, definitely looking forward to, uh, to be in there on Super Bowl Sunday to, uh, see as many of you as we can. One other thing that I did just want to mention, I mean, we've kind of mentioned it already, but I, I just don't want it to go unsaid. Boo Booey has been so friggin' good the past couple yeah. of games. Yeah. He's been he, amazing. He's been so good and both ends of the floor offensive end, defensive end. And, I mean, this is a guy who Northwestern Nation has bemoaned his shot selection over the years. He's taking good shots, considered shots. He is looking to drive and create and get the best shot that he can, get to the, the line, the, draw contact. The, the structure of the offense against Iowa featuring him and his ability to drive because he could take their right. guards mm -hmm. at, like, at will every single time. Yep. Yes, at will. And, yeah. uh, and, and they designed like you, you, like the way, the way they were setting screens and stuff, um, to enable him to do that was, um, exceptional. And he was taking advantage of it every time, a couple times that they went, you know, under the screen and left him wide open. He's taken the three from the top of the key, like he should, like that's mm -hmm. a couple times he bricked it, but that's good shot selection, frankly, in those moments. Um, but, uh, he's, he's been unlocked in a really, really fantastic way. And if that continues, I mean, that's. That's probably like one A of what needs to happen over the over the coming you know weeks for this team to get back on its feet is for Boo to continue playing at the level he's at. If you or a loved one is seriously injured by someone else's negligence, hire Kent Sinson of the Sinson Law Group. After over a decade prosecuting murder cases in Chicago, Sinson opened his own firm focused on wrongful death and personal injury cases. He specializes in car, truck, motorcycle, boat, and other transportation accidents as well as construction accidents, medical negligence, slip and falls, product liability, and more. Millions recovered for clients. No fee unless he wins. The Sinson Law Group. Compassion, empathy, and vigorous advocacy. Go to SinsonLawGroup.com or call 312-332-2107 for a free consultation. And go Cats! So, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll keep our eyes peeled on, you know, keep talking about this as, as we go along. Um... You know, we are in February now, uh, as we record this on, on Groundhog Day. Um, 
but you know what doesn't really worry about uh, whether or not Puxatani Phil saw his shadow or not? <laughs> the softball I, season. Yeah, I was going to say. It's Groundhog Day. It's the same thing. One more year, one more Danielle Williams on the mound mowing everybody down. Like, you know, it's just we're just used to this now. Um, but I mean, I kid, but the we Do are, you know? we well, I, I, I say that, but we are so beyond fortunate that this entire group decided to come back for another year that I don't want to I want to be like, eh, you know, I'm just used to it. No, we allow me to get down on my hands and knees and bow down to this group for for choosing to you know so much of this core for choosing to come back but um yeah it's it's amazing how early it starts but i mean for how good this team is and how excited we are it's so great that there's barely a week to go until the games start up yeah we'll we'll be uh you know paying very very close attention and uh we're We've got a, a real special guest who's going to be coming on with us next week. Uh, definitely have to tune into that uh, to talk about softball and kind of the ins and outs of this team and you know how how will they get back to Oklahoma City. Um, you know, so we're, we're real excited uh, to have to have uh, this individual on next week. Uh, gonna leave that as a surprise. So you know, make sure you come back next week to uh, to catch up with our special guest. We would say I'm so. Gonna, I'm I'm just gonna say. Uh, she has some real insider info. Yes, and, she does. Uh, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I, I would say, um, so again, we're not going to really dive in deep at all tonight. But did want to say for anyone who's really looking to get their beak wet on softball, um, Ben Rosenberg, you know, recent Northwestern graduate, current Northeast New England sports reporter. Um, we, we posted a link. He did a comprehensive Big Ten. And he's someone who covered a lot of softball at while he was at Northwestern. Did a comprehensive Big Ten preview that is really fascinating. And there's a ton of information there. And I know a lot of you are like, wow, like I can't believe there's this much here on Big Ten softball. Hey, it's fantastic that someone's producing that. But also it's really interesting to get a little bit of the flavor, particularly at the top of the conference. Because one of the things that really struck out, stuck out to me reading it, and I encourage you guys to kind of check it out, is um, the you know there's all the talk ever since the portal and single year transfers and you know became such a big deal, the effect that it's had on football, but particularly the musical chairs you see with quarterbacks and how that's such a key position and it can so well. I mean, buckle up because that era has arrived with softball pitchers, and as we know, and as anyone knows one ace on the mound in softball i mean she can shoulder three quarters of the innings and be such a big thing and there are a lot of massive pitchers changing hands and if you look at uh, rosenberg's big 10 preview you see a ton of that at the top of the conference and you see um northwestern has acquired one of the best pitchers in division three last year through the portal michigan lost a couple big time players through the portal a couple big time pitchers through the portal um, I think Nebraska's got a pitcher that they've acquired and, and on and so on and so on. So um, just an interesting thing to, to check out. But again, if you guys, if you can't wait until uh, we get into this next week on the pod um, and you just want to dive in because we're barely a week out from softball season, check this preview out. Uh, any last thoughts before we get out of here today, guys? Yeah, I did just want to hit the women's hoops squad Yeah, for sure, briefly. for sure. Yeah. Um, Last time we were we potted, we were talking about the Chicago State win, you know, very much a get-right game, um, and that the back half of their schedule was uh, much less daunting than the first half. Uh, they made good on that the following weekend against Wisconsin, um, notching their first Big Ten win of the year. 
lost a tough game at Penn State tonight, but um, you know, the, with the exception of of a, a number eight kind of surging Maryland team, um, you know, very doable down the stretch here uh, for the women's team. Um, if nothing else, just a lot of key developmental playing time for their roster. I, I wanted one, one person I really wanted to call out was Paige Mott, who is, who has scored in double figures for five straight games now, um, which is, I mean, we've, we've seen Paige, uh, on the floor, like to see her starting to emerge. You've got, you know, maybe, uh, maybe even a twin towers kind of situation. You, maybe if you were to, if you were interested in playing her and, and Walsh together, um, but that's, uh, that's that's some exciting. I mean, she led the way against Wisconsin with twenty three points. Really keyed that victory uh, for Northwestern, and so you know they've got Nebraska coming up, um, that Maryland game, like I mentioned, and then uh, a handful of others down the stretch here. Again, like great opportunity for uh, for the players on this team to develop and uh, play meaningful basketball in 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 tight, tight games against, uh, opponents that they can, um, either hang with or, or beat, uh, in many cases. So, uh, should be, should be fun to just kind of see, see what comes out in the wash, um, as we finish up the, uh, the women's season here in February. The one thing I wanted to mention, uh, I'd like to talk a little senior bowl week. Oh, uh, yes. So, <laughs> so, um, as as you all might know, I you know there are a couple players at Senior Bowl practices this week, and um, so first of all, I'll lead with so Evan Hall I think was clocked as what the third fastest guy at Senior Bowl practices this week, and has just looked really quick in general this week, and it's turned a lot of heads, but no one is turning heads like Adetamiwa Adeware. Uh, I don't know who's going to win the Super Bowl, who's going to win the Senior Bowl, but I know who's winning Senior Bowl week. And that is Adeware. He is, I, I saw one reporter say if I could use two words to describe his performance this week, they would be holy crap. <laughs> he, All caps. He is just absolutely dominating practice. He's ragdolling offensive linemen. There are multiple videos. We posted a gif of one of them where um, he's just, everyone is going, oh my God, this guy is dominating this week of practice and i mean talk about helping your draft stock i mean the game with the pre- senior pre- bowl pretty sure yeah. pretty sure it was a notre dame uh right tackle that he yeah. ragdolled yeah i that, mean he just click absolutely erased him um, it was it was like a crime um so and and with the senior bowl i think we all know the game is the game but it's the week of practices it's everything leading up it's all of the drills it's all heavily attended by scouts and personnel and it's your chance to just show out and he like honestly like this is not hyperbole he's having the best senior bowl week of any player that is there right now and pushing himself rounds up the draft board as we speak so it's pretty exciting and a bunch of guys got invites to the combine as well. I mean, you know, Adebore, Hull, um, there are a couple others too. Uh, obviously, Mitch, Mitchell and Mitchell and Skronsky. Yep. Yeah, yep. Those as, are the we, four. as we uh, as we tweeted out um, that I think I, I think it was Scuzz. Maybe you tweeted it out, but it's that combine list should show you how fire Northwestern's pro day is going to be. Oh my god, <laughs> I'm looking ahead like... to the lifting session at Northwestern's pro day, man. With Man Bear Pete and Adetamiwa Adeware in there, it's going to be some some absolute craziness. 
Well, actually, speaking of that, um, Adaware has a fundraiser going on right now for um, uh, research in the treatment of uh, sickle cell anemia. Um, there's a pledge opportunity to basically, you know, pledge dollars per uh, per bench press uh, rep that he does. I think at the combine. Um, <laughs> be be prepared to be generous because he's going to do a lot of reps. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, so I think I think he's estimating like thirteen right now, which um, feels low <laughs> with, with with each hand. What I <laughs> yeah, I, I, we'll find we'll find out, but. Um, We've jumped in to uh, to pledge some to pledge some money, and it'd be great for uh, for others to support a guy who's absolutely tearing it up right now. Uh, yeah, so uh, with that, I think we'll go ahead and leave it there for tonight. Uh, head to our website, westlawpirates.com, where you can leave comments and questions. Find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, at Westlaw Pirates, and email the show, westlawpirates at gmail.com. Tune in next time as we give our visceral and statistical views on Northwestern athletics, and look for us in the west side of Ryan Field flying the red pirate flag, because we give no quarter, especially the fourth. For John Lacombe and Eric Skousby, I'm Sam Walter. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time.